Welcome, people of the world, to another episode of the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show, where we talk shop about improv comedy, creativity, and art. It's me, your friend, your enemy, your long-lost brother, Andrew Pish, and today we have our first game tape episode where we review our own improv show to talk about our process, what went well, what we could do differently next time, and we get to ask Travis what he could possibly have been thinking in that one scene with the kaleidoscope. But first, a message from our sponsor. Improvisers of the world, I think we can all agree 2020 was quite a year. We all want to start 2021 on the right foot. And you know what? You beautiful humans, you don't have to do it alone. 2020 was a year of isolation. Let's make 2021 the year you find your community again. A dear, dear friend of mine, Kimberly Alou, at the People's Improv Theater, The Pit, is here to help you break through barriers and find the fun in the new year. Take a whole host of classes, including Fundamentals of a Form, where you can learn 12 improv forms throughout the year. There's also how to start a virtual indie improv team where you and your new classmates will spend six weeks developing a brand new form specifically tailored for this virtual world we found ourselves in. And also, approach to dramatic improv where things slow down and you'll find the power of silence in your scene work. So, whether you're a newbie improviser looking to up your game or an expert looking to stay fresh, she's got a class for you. Let me just say, Kimberly's been a great friend. She's been there for me. And she knows improv, so I know she can be there for you. Check out her upcoming classes, including start dates and pricing, at aluhu.com. That's A-L-U-W-H-O.com or thepit-nyc.com. That's T-H-E-P-I-T-N-Y-C.com. And now... I'd like to talk to you about the ketogenic diet. Psych! Let's get to the game tape. You're listening to the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show. The suggestion we got for our improv show on... December 9th, 2020, the year of our Lord. And we're taking suggestions right now from this card game that Travis has at his house that has writing prompts. And so the writing prompt suggestion for this show was identifiable face in the clouds. Wake up, Tasha. He's almost done. Okay, do I need to redo that? Okay, so, hey, everybody. So, this was a fun show. This is a fun show with a lot of callbacks, a lot of, like, parallel universe themes that were colliding. There were stories of chasing your dreams and being told that you can't do that, following in the footsteps of your family's traditions, and then in the midst, following your dreams, going mad with just murderous rage and landing in jail. Yeah, I made a I wrote made a little note that was like if there was a moral of the story to this show, it's that if you don't follow your dreams, you're gonna end up a murderous psychopath. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I felt well, like 
it's it's children becoming their parents and and generational pain too which i i don't always feel like our shows have those like a th those thematic through lines sometimes they're disparate in in that way but i felt like this was something that we worked on when holly laurent was coaching us a lot that when it peaks its head i'm always like oh this is what i always want to do because it just feels like we're flowing with themes and hardcore following what the piece wants to be i liked it it was enjoyable i don't want it to sound too pre too pretentious on our part but one of the comments from our viewers andy roberts he's a such a sweet dude he said sweet flow so much going on and it, the, to me the show really did feel like it had a nice a nice flow to it it sort of felt like a piece the transitions felt natural but creative we always sort of like knew where we were that we never felt like we were like starting and stopping trying to figure out what was supposed to happen next it's fun it's fun when the improv moves like this yeah i really before the show was like oh i think my intention is just to try to release some of my judgment and to trust my instincts and to jump on things and i felt pretty successful in that because if something peaked its head i didn't hesitate as much as i normally would I was like, oh, that sounds fun. I'm going to do that. Oh, that's fun. Cool. And I felt the, the two of you were supporting that and doing that yourselves. Something that I really liked about this show was how almost every scene reflected the same theme. It was different characters, different such situations, but they were all tied together by like almost a subconscious drive, a yearning to be somewhere else than they are, or to be pursuing something else. I thought that was really fun, and I thought we really we hit that hard throughout all the scenes. Yeah, and I I feel like that started. I feel like that really started with you, Pish, in the first scene, the second scene when you came in as my dad. It was sort of an extension of the first scene. You came in as my dad, telling me that like you hated that song. Look over there. Hey, can you turn off that song? I, I, I have to say, I can't, I can't stand it when you just play your own music and you don't consider that I have different tastes, okay? All right? You don't have different tastes. You just don't have taste. How dare you? Name How one good song. Name one good song. Uh, let's see if I could name one. <laughs> Literally name any song that you like. That sort of set the pattern for the rest of the show that almost sort of became our edit was uh one of us would start singing usually me badly and then to start a new scene it happened several times in a row i think it was you pitch would be like hey turn off that singing it was a new character complaining about the music which really led us into this like cool cycle this really fun pattern of these characters trying to pursue their dreams one thing that um just to piggyback on that that i think we should talk about for a second is even the use of soft edits in the first place and also the challenge of soft edits on a zoom show because when we're on stage I think that that has become really something that I rely on and that we as a team do a lot which kind of gives our shows a little bit more of a seamless flow but on zoom there's been times when it's challenging to do that so 
Um, Travis, could you explain what a soft edit is and how we use them in the show? Yeah, I'll try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear. Yeah, I want to hear how you would describe them. Well, first of all, if you, people who don't know, an edit is any time a scene changes in an improv show. We move from one scene to another. That's an edit. You can do like a sweep edit where somebody runs across the stage. You can, some people do like clap edits where they, everyone just claps and then a new scene starts. But a soft edit is just a more subtle edit where people be in a scene and then somebody will just, they'll just sort of start another scene. There's no obvious signal that, hey, I'm editing here. And then the other players notice that subtly, they catch on and then they just sort of roll with it. And it's, so it's a very smooth, almost unnoticeable transition in a show. It's very cool. Yeah, I like it. Only the best improvisers can pull it off. <laughs> Those with the I, greatest of skills. I like that um, comparing like a sweep edit, you know, in Star Wars when the screen literally sweeps into something else or like clapping is just like that hard smash cut. I mean, you could look at a sweep edit a little bit like a smash cut. Well, I don't know, because then the next scene sometimes starts slowly. So that's not 100% true. But mm -hmm. a soft edit is something that I like because I feel like I can take either something physical or some energy from the last scene to propel my next scene or to inspire it. So I don't think that I'm coming onto a blank stage with nothing. And I know that there are some players, and this is why it's like such a style thing. There's some people who would be like, if you left a chair on stage and then you left and, and somebody swept and then we have to do a new scene with your chair, that's, I don't know if rude's the right word, but that's you not taking into consideration the next scene. Whereas I'm like, oh, you left me with this seed of a thing as silly as a chair, but it could also be a person or an emotion. And then I don't have to come up with something. So I like soft edits for that reason, but I think that's just a taste thing. So we had a lot of that in this show where it'd be like someone got left or somebody entered while something was already happening and then it morphs into a new scene instead of a hard cut. Yeah, this was, doesn't necessarily apply to our show, but I think is a cool improv note in general, that idea of like you leaving a chair on stage. Some improvisers would be upset about that. They'd be like, hey, man, you didn't clear our scene. Like, what the heck? But if you approach, as improvisers, we're supposed to approach everything as genius and everything as important. So if I'm playing with you guys and one of you leaves a, a chair on the stage, I'm going to go, oh, they did that on purpose. What a great idea to leave that chair there. I can't wait to play with it. Totally. Now coming back to our show, this idea where something happens almost in both worlds. The one that I'm thinking of is I'm singing, my dad's been dead for 50 years. And Pish, Pish goes, hey, stop singing that song, which, which happens in the scene we're in. And then he adds cellmate number nine or something like that, which now is happening in the new scene. So it simultaneously happens in both scenes, which makes the edit seamless. Oh. Hey, stop singing cell block nine. Oh, what? Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, shut was... the heck up. Sorry. Hey, you shut up over there too. Cell oh, block you eight. shut up. You shut hey. up, Craig. There was, I used to watch Archer and Archer did this really well. The uh, animated series where one character would say a line and then they would cut to a new 
scene and another character would be saying a line that sounded like they were responding to that character, even emotionally responding to that character, but it's a completely different scene and they're talking to somebody else. And they use that in a nice way that was able to continue to build the uh, emotion of the show and build towards a climax without having to stay in the same scene. And it was a really organic way to do it. I liked the fact that it doesn't all of a sudden have improvisers starting from zero whenever they edit into a new scene. It can give a show an arc that doesn't slow down, that doesn't go all the way back to a blank stage or silence or new characters in a new place. It is new characters, but they're inheriting the emotional stakes of the last scene in a certain way. That's really a really cool. good example. One thing that's hard about them is that a lot of times, and I find myself in this trap too, Archer is such a good example, in that they're taking one thing and letting it be a springboard for something completely new. But you can fall into the trap of holding on to too much of the previous scene or making that as an offering. And if somebody doesn't catch it because it is so subtle, they'll hold on to the same the same scene and think that it's like a walk-on or something like that. So it's definitely something that has to be practiced a lot and is a little bit of a more high-risk move, especially if you haven't played together very much because you'll just kind of get caught up in being stuck. And then you're like, I do want the smash cut right now because nobody's, you know what I mean? Like the subtlety is, is just flying over the, our heads at the moment. I think something that's allowed us to have different edits throughout our time together is the fact that we all have been open to, we've all been humble enough to drop what we have been doing to start a new game. And we have also been open to creative ways of doing things. And so we're never tied necessarily to something. And as long as the person who's initiating the edit does it confidently, then the scenes will move things will be clear, but I think confidence is key and you kind of just have to own whatever weird thing it is you're doing. One thing I, anytime I'm coaching a team on edits, I just echo what Jet, Jet Evelith told us when we were, Jet Evelith is a artistic improv clown, genius, goddess, amazing person. She was our very first coach. She's currently and, addicted to methamphetamines and somewhere in the Mojave Desert. It's so sad. Yeah. Hopefully she pulls it together. Um, I'm really praying for her. Anyway, before she went off the deep end and she was coaching us about edits, one thing she said that has really stuck with me is for those of you in the scene, when someone comes in and makes a move and you're not sure, are they making an edit? What's going on? She just gave us a rule of thumb. If it could be an edit, it probably should be an edit. Go ahead and just treat it like an edit and support it. Yeah, this this show is a great example for that. It doesn't always come together that way. And I felt that every time I offered something and jumped on something, y'all were on board. And I remember actually Jet saying something about, I think she described Brendan Jennings as like, he's so committed, but he's also the quickest to drop something and be like, it's new. And it's part just one of the, 10,000 reasons he's so brilliant and so fun to watch. And so I, I strive for that, but sometimes I struggle with my attachment to a character, my attachment to a previous scene, because that change is 
hard sometimes. It's really like hard to like let go of the thing you're doing. What would you say to someone who is like, man, I was really digging that scene. I love the characters. We had great stakes. This scene really had legs. And my, my teammate edited it so soon. Like, what the heck? Well, I don't know. I guess I'd be talking to myself because I remember once doing a scene with you, Travis, that I was like, all right, we're just getting going. <laughs> Pitch came out and was like, you y'all there's apes in the street it was like and it was totally it was definitely change it was a huge huge change change energetically change content wise and if i had been a better improviser i would have been like new scene we're going but instead i was like i'm no i'm too attached like i the thing i what's the the thing that i was doing it doesn't make sense and then you get into this like um there's just uh wrenches thrown in your your gears um, which never feels good. And you're like, oh, how fun could, could have that scene been if I had just jumped on Pish's thing? Um, well, and something to remember too is, is if the scene has legs, if it's juicy and meaty and the characters are strong and you love it, chances are the audience loves it too. So just bring it back later. Yeah, it can be a nice spot for a callback for sure. Yeah. And also, you know, if you have a brilliant idea off stage <laughs> watching a scene to come in for an edit, and you lay down a line that is bursting so much from your soul that you can barely contain the laughter inside of you. And your teammates look at you with blank stares and basically <laughs> communicate to you that they are not accepting your choice. <laughs> Even your brilliance will fall flat. So buyer beware. So, okay, so what I would say for my issue that I'm struggling with, right? It's a practice you know, if I'm driving and I'm, and I want to like, and I get cut off and I'm like, I'm angry about that. Like how quickly can I let that dissipate? That's a word, right? <laughs> so how, how quickly can I be like, okay, that's gone is I think a similar, it's a similar muscle. Um, if you're pish, I don't know how you practice being brilliant and your teammates not accepting it. Pish, is there something in your life that you do to practice um, being rejected? So I was addicted to hard drugs and I spent most of my teenage years somewhere in between Montana and Wyoming. I didn't know exactly where I was, but I knew nature would be my guide and provide for me. It was a very formative time of my life. And I remember looking at sunsets and crying every single day. And uh, I really think that's where most of my, I don't know, I wouldn't call it brilliance, but you did. So we'll go with that. My brilliance comes from. And scene. That was beautiful. Thank you. Oh, wow. I love you guys. Do you have uh, favorite moments of the show? Anything that st stood out to you that made you laugh? Any edits that you thought were particularly nice? There was a moment, I think, towards the end of the scene where we had already been in a prison scene. I was a little... I don't know what you call me, what I was playing, like a cell warden. Yeah, you were like a prison guard. I was a prison guard. I think we, I think we knew that because you very subtly said, I'm a guard. I'm a guard here at this prison. I'm, not, I'm never going to shut up. I'm the guard here. I'm a guard in this prison. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We got, we edited into that scene from Travis uh, being told by his dead father to kill the interviewer that was interviewing him. So then we morphed into the prison scene where he was now in prison. 
and then we met Anatasha's character who was also in prison. Then we jumped into a scene where she ended up killing a person. And then we went back to the prison scene to see her there. And we were discussing how all three of these characters had these dreams and they didn't get to do the dream. It was kind of this beautiful moment of all, all this kind of, I think, emotional yearnings, I think, coming to a climax. And it felt, it felt really beautiful to kind of feel like these characters, even though they had gotten into prison and maybe not, weren't doing what they wanted to be doing, kind of had this moment of appreciating each other for their different desires. Yeah, and it had this, it kind of drove home that like, we can look back on it now and be like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I don't think any of us realized it in the moment. I didn't. That of this, again, the moral of the story, like my character had a dream to be a musician, didn't follow it, ended up killing someone. Tasha's character had a dream to be a dancer, didn't follow it, ended up killing someone. And so then to the, the climax of that, the rule of threes is your character, the guard, had a dream to be an artist, didn't follow it, ended up killing himself. I think my time is gone. But you two, I see the spark of life in you and you can do a song and dance number and I won't say anything. No, quick, you gotta let us out of here. Wait, 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 hold on. Oh, maybe they oh great. Ow, 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 what did I do? The price to pay for not following your dream was death. Uh, yeah. And when it all comes together like that, it's cool. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm guilty of not always, like of getting a suggestion sometimes and just being like, eh, it's gone. I forget about it. And it just like almost move on. But I felt like the face in the clouds was almost like a North Star of like, you've got your head in the clouds or like, oh yeah, you know, that's so childish. Like you're seeing something that's not really there. Like it's unattainable. So that felt like a North Star. It also, now that you're saying it, reminds me of, I think it's in the preface of The War of Art. He talks about, for Hitler, it was like easier. It's like the- Hitler, great the, artist. Thank you. Great, well, great no, he's like, he's like the, him facing a blank, blank canvas, which is what he wanted to do, was so much harder for him that he- went out and destroyed a bunch of shit and people instead because he couldn't face or he couldn't handle it, you know? So I felt like this show was that a little bit. And it was very extreme in that way of like, if you can't follow your inner child, you end up acting out in these other ways. Yeah, I think you're so right. And I think the suggestion did kind of play into the show in a pretty big way, even to one of the last lines of the whole show where Travis points out that as my character was bleeding out on the ground, I drew a tiger in the blood before I died. He drew a tiger on the ground with his blood. It's amazing. I'm still alive. I can hear that. That's, thank you. He's a beautiful artist. It's a lost talent. You know, talking about face in the clouds, tiger in the blood. I think there's something beautifully poetic that again, we did not intend to do and somehow it just happened. I think 
y'all were listening really well to what was being presented because I was just about to, to ask how much, you know, were you thinking about through lines? How much were you thinking about themes? Or does it really come from a place of if I'm really listening and I jump on that one line and add to it, it's, it t- sort of takes care of itself. I think that one, you, what, uh, oh, let me start. <laughs> it's over. I think when you're in a show, if you're actively thinking about that stuff, it can bog you down. We talk about that stuff and we rehearse that kind of stuff and we put an intention to that kind of stuff before and after the show. But I think once the show starts, you have to just forget all that stuff and just be ready to play and be ready to jump on your impulses and hope that your training and your rehearsal comes through and it doesn't always but i feel like this show it did i wasn't aware of this like thematic element until we finished and looked back yeah i think it seems like it's it's um it's the thematic callback so in the same way that you don't really have to force a callback in a show and they just can kind of organically find their way into moments i kind of felt like that was this it was just like minor little callbacks it was almost kind of funny how it, it seemed like every single person had something that they wanted to do, including one character who didn't want to be a plumber. And then there was a character who did want to be a plumber and that's all that they had dreamed of doing. And yeah, so I think it kind of functioned like a callback does organically, not forced. I want to bring up one of my favorite moments of the show, because I think not only was it just stupid, silly and absurd in general, which always makes me laugh, but in the middle of a show like the one we had, which is very thematic and does have a real flow and almost has this sort of like poetic feel to it, to have this moment of absurdity in the middle of that provided nice balance. And it was Anatasha trying to pronounce protege. I gotta tell you the truth, babe. I gotta tell you the truth, sweetie. You, 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 you were the worst one on that stage. You know, you and you. There was a boy on the stage. If you can imagine that, a boy dancer, and he was better than you. So, Tom's Tom's really talented, though. Everybody thinks that, you know, he's gonna. He's a protege, pro prodigy, a pro per a a a. Teacher says that he's like, and I'm not a person. You said so yourself. And you just, I think the first time you flubbed it was genuine. And in true form, you made that little flub not a mistake and just leaned into it and you leaned into it hard. It made me laugh so much. I was listening to the show again and I just laughed out loud because it's just so silly and dumb. And then I tried to copy your move because I liked it so much and it wasn't as good. But, no, uh, it was good. I, I was having fun. Like it was some, like it was a thing that really tickled me so I was like oh I'm just gonna keep doing it so and when you did it 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 was it still tickled me so thanks for jumping on that well I did it because I could tell you were having fun and I was like oh that looks like so much fun I want to have fun too (laughs) how what is there an improv rule philosophy guidepost that helps you lean into moments like that well I will always come back to Pish having a heart attack 
after stumbling on his words. I think I've already mentioned that even on the podcast. Well, this is technically the first episode we're airing, so I don't think so. Oh, okay. Pish stumbled on his words, and then instead of being like, oh, no, I'm stupid, I can't talk on stage, he just leaned into it so much until he was stuttering, and then his character had a heart attack, and he died. And that was many, many years ago, and I still think about it every time I make a quote-unquote mistake I'm like, it's not a mistake. It's the best and it's the thing and it's what's supposed to be. I also think about in I Love Lucy when she's eating the chocolates on the conveyor belt and she's like, oh no, I missed one. And then she tries to, you know, she tries to fix it in a normal way, but it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And then by the time she's eating them and stuffing them into her shirt, we're like, oh, she tried everything else. So of course she's doing that now. So if I like make a little mistake or even if my character does something a little dumb, I feel like I can make it progressively more dumb and it's just really fun and feels, I don't want to say justified because it is a, it gets to the point of the absurd, but it feels right. It makes me think of, we have an interview with Juzo Yoshido coming out in a couple of weeks and Pish talks about in that interview how his favorite moments in improv are the things that are truly spontaneous. It's not the things that you think of ahead of time. It's not the things that you're like, oh, this is going to be really good. It's the stuff that surprises even you. And that really felt like a moment that surprised you, which is why it was so fun. Oh, thanks. You're so sweet. Is there anything that you two think you'll take into the next show um, that you learned from this show? or relearned? There are a couple of moments for me when I watched this show, I things uh, I eventually caught them, but I was slow on the pickup. The idea that every time Pish was playing my dad, that the character you were playing, Anatasha, couldn't see him. When I look back and I watched the show back, I was like, oh my gosh, it was so obvious. And I was very slow on the pickup of that. My dad, give a shout out to my dad for being here. He was. Uh, oh, woo! Yeah, yeah, he was. Where, where he is was, he? Where is he? He's right here. <laughs> or is he? He may be over there. Uh, or is you're uh, looking stupid, there. son? Yeah. What? Okay. You're well, looking stupid right now. So I think that for the next show, I'm just going to try to listen a little harder. Yeah, I dropped the ball on some specifics. I think that also, I think, was a listening thing, where like one of you would say something. And then I would like almost kind of contradict it and then be like, oh no, I like course correct because it like took me a second to hear. So that's relatable to me as well. So how do you do that? I have a tendency when I'm excited about a scene or I'm excited about a character, especially if I'm playing a high energy character, which a lot of my characters were this past show, I have a tendency to ramble. I have a tendency to like get going in a character and just start talking and just keep going. I like the energy of like overlapping with each other. I think it's kind of a fun thing to do, but especially in a zoom show, I just have to make sure that while I do that, I'm, I'm extra focused on your guys's body language and just really clocking the, the little clues that you're giving me. Cause Tosh did a great job of being subtle. She didn't want to come right out and say, who are you talking to? I don't see anybody else in the room. What's going on? She was, she played it very natural and real, which is good. I just need to take a minute to be like, what are the, what are the clues? Yeah. I would say 
going one line at a time, giving myself a little bit more space to absorb before I respond. And I, I definitely think there's those moments where the energy builds and then we are overlapping a little bit, but I don't think that that's every moment. It's like you sort of earn that moment of energy, at least me, because if I don't, especially at the top of a scene, one line at a time, I'm like, I have to do that or else like I will hear wrong or I will totally miss like a very important piece of information. So I'd say going one line at a time, giving myself more space to absorb. I like that. I think if I was going to do something going forward, it would be to give myself a little bit more time before the show to warm up. I think way too often I'm confusing the ease of setting up cameras and a tripod to do a Zoom show with it not taking any time at all to get set up and to get settled. And so I think the result of that is me getting settled two minutes past when we're supposed to start and feeling rushed. And then at the top of the show, feeling kind of scatterbrained. And it takes me a while to get settled. I mean, this isn't just a Zoom show. This was even shows in theater. You know, this is why I think we always tried to show through a show 30 minutes early. We did that because we kind of felt that and we knew how we could just show up at a show right at start time and our energy would be all over the place. So I kind of want to start to give myself a little bit more time. Yeah, I like that. I think no matter how long we've been improvising, a warm up is still a valuable thing. Yeah, and even if it's not zip zap zap anymore, it's uh, it's just stretching. It's just having a conversation, really taking you in. It's breathing. It's you know shaking it out maybe. Yeah, I like that. Wow, what do you have against zip zap zap? Everything. <laughs> Uh, if you guys had to name the show, because we're going to post the show on YouTube for our listeners to go find and watch and see all the things we've been talking about, what would you name this show? Vody McVoteface. Can what we was get that? people to vote on it? You said Vody McVoteface? Vody McVoteface. Okay. All right. So I would name it like In the Clouds or something like that. In the I thought I thought the suggestion was so nice and actually... Yeah. It wasn't like some shows that I do where someone's like, pineapple. And then I'm like, I, I don't even remember what it was. And I just move on. I felt like it was like sort of in the vibe of it. Okay. Well, so between it's between Bodie McBoatface and In the Clouds. Um, I think I'm going to lean my uh, my vote to Anatasha's or we're going to call this show Face in the Clouds. So get on YouTube and look for Face in the Clouds. This is a show on December 9th and uh, to see what we've been talking about. Well, there you have it, folks. You've officially finished an episode of the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show. While you were listening, we accessed your phone, found your home address, and we'll be sending you a handwritten thank you card and a single red rose. We uh, hope that's not moving too quickly because, well, we really like you. Anyways, thank you for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram at StormChaserImprov, on Facebook.com backslash StormChaserImprov, and on our website with links to the podcast, including show notes at StormChaserImprov.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you please consider leaving a short review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes? 
It takes less than 60 seconds, and as we're getting started here, it really makes a difference in helping to convince hard-to-get guests. And we love reading reviews. Do you have something to advertise? We're looking for sponsors, and you can sponsor an episode right now for as little as $5. Do you want to tell everyone about your conspiracy theory about how nematodes have taken over the brains of all major politicians across the world? Or advertise your Zoom cooking class where you teach everyone the difference between salt and pepper? Or just take some time to compliment people because you know what? Life's hard and people could use a little more love in their lives. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, you can reach out to us on Instagram or on our website. Again, thanks for listening. Now go chase a storm. Thank you for listening to the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show.